Good evening, Facebook land. How is everyone? This is uh, Cheryl Stevens with the Back to Living uh, There's Life After Loss. And um, this is documenting my journey through grief. And I'm going to take these glasses off. They're shining. Um, and I lost my husband a couple of years ago. And um, it helps me to talk about it and write about it. So I've started this podcast to help me and help anyone else out there that is struggling. So um, I've been talking to my friend from C uh, Cindy Lou. She's all the way from New Zealand. So uh, Cindy Lou Miller is with Be Bold You. And I'm going to let her tell you about um, her business and what she does. And she has not lost a spouse, but she has uh, helped a couple of friends through this very hard journey. And I wanted to ask her a few questions and let her talk about that. So Cindy Lou, how are you? I'm great, yes, I am Cindy Lou with Be Bold You. And we take uh, life's twists and turns and help you turn them into something beautiful so that you can live life out loud and be bold you. Yay. So yeah, that is what we do. And I also have a podcast so people can catch me there. Yeah, we'll and post the link. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be great. I was listening to your podcast and it made me want to come on here and kind of tell the other side, the side where you are the friend and you're helping somebody through it. So thank you so much for having me, Cheryl. I'm really excited to be a guest on your podcast. Well, thank you for coming on. Um, I know this is something everyone goes through at one time or another in their life. And um a lot of times what we think we're saying to our friends is really not helpful. And a lot of times we just don't know what to say. Um, and it can be a little tricky gliding through that. So you said you had helped a few friends uh, through this process. Can you tell us a little bit about that and um, how you got involved a little more deeply with them? Well, the first one was actually somebody that I was the maid of honor for their wedding. And then that was only seven years before her husband passed of cancer. So she didn't have any family around. I was pretty much her family. So I became the person who she leaned on heavily. And I walked with her through every step of the, the post-death, well, actually every step before and after the death and going to the funeral home and talking to the directors and the whole, um, the whole gamut, really. I yeah. learned a lot. <laughs> it's uh, that trip to the funeral home and to the cemetery to get everything set up was, it's so fast, and but it's, it's so hard at the same time. I just remember my kids with me and we just kind of moved from one place to the next place to the next place. And um, it's just, what I remember is going to the funeral home and going to the cemetery and then the service and then everybody's just kind of gone. You know, they're still there, but they're not like they're like they were every day and at the house and that closeness that we saw right after. Uh, so I'll, I'm really glad you were there for her because um, it, it's very it's very tough going through that. Um, yes, I've been fortunate. 
I've been fortunate to actually be able to put my life on hold for a few times and a few days here and there and literally go and stay with a couple of the people who have gone through loss. Um, three of them now have been husbands and then one was her son that she had lost. And I think that going through divorce actually helped me because that's another type of loss. Yeah. It helped me to understand loss. I also was grew up with pa parents that took us to funerals and involved us with what was happening with our family members and people that were dying. We were never like left at home or sometimes people think it's too hard for kids. So they don't want to take them. Right. I think there's only been one funeral in my life that I couldn't go to because it was too hard. Yeah. Um, I don't remember going to funerals as a child. Uh, I was in my uh, probably early 20s, I believe. Um, the first funerals I remember going to are my grandparents. Um, and I, there may have been more before that, but that's what I remember. My grandmother was when my son was five weeks old. And then um, my grandfather was after um, my daughter was born. But, you know, after that, the older we get, it seems like we, we, we know more and more that's part of life. We know that. But, um, yeah, we don't uh, involve our children to get them. You know, too young can be too young, but to get them. Act, well, activated, but, well yeah. it helped. Well, I can I can maybe put that into words for you. What okay. it did for me was it made me realize that death is actually a part of living. Mm -hmm. And I think that most people don't feel that, see that, or understand it. And I think right. I was able to understand that only because it had been such a part of my whole growing up. Right understand that yeah it's it is a part i know my grandkids now they uh, well at least my granddaughter she has gone through loss with pets she's only six but she did lose her grandfather um and she still talks about him to me at least um because there's pictures and everything around um but she knows that loss and it's it's that not coming back because for a while she asked me when is pop pop coming home when's he coming back from heaven so it's yeah. hard to explain to children but getting them um to understand that that's part of life you know it's scary i remember thinking as a kid that oh my gosh you know it's so scary and they're i'm gonna be alone and um it doesn't really have to be that way so um, bravo to your parents for, for that. I know it helped you a lot. Um, with the different people and friends that you've helped through this process, were there any, um, I know it's a strange question, but it, was there any similarities in their grief and any differences that you noticed? Well, actually, one of the similarities is something that people probably don't think about, but it's one of the reasons I wanted to kind of share with people what to do if they're the friend walking others through it. And one of the similarities was they forget to eat. Mm -hmm. And they don't even remember that they're supposed to eat. Like there's no 
thought for food at all. And right. the first one was where I learned that. And I learned it in a very tough way. So my first friend who lost her husband, as soon as the funeral was over and she stood up to walk out of the church, she passed out because she wow. hadn't eaten. And I was like, I didn't know I had to feed her. I didn't know I had to make sure that she at least drank some juice or something, had some kind of sugar levels in her body. I was like, oh, so the, the rest of them, after that, I always made sure I made a meal and, and they didn't, they only had to eat a couple of bites. You don't right. have to have a lot of it. But, you know, a few bites here or a sip of drink there is so helpful. Right. That was I did, one thing. I did have that because we had neighbors, uh, wonderful neighbors that brought food by and church friends um, that brought food by. And my kids uh, was here, so they, they made sure I ate. But, yeah, eat. I didn't want to. I wasn't hungry. I just remember being numb, if that makes sense. Yeah. That's the second thing that I did notice is that they're they're just kind of going through the motions and they're making decisions without being able to be in a state of mind where they know the decisions that they're even making. Right. So there were times when the director would ask, you know, do you want it this way or do you want it that way? Here's here's the options. And I would look to my friend and ask her. And sometimes she could answer it. And other times you just had this glazed look on her face and you knew that you kind of needed to answer it and make a decision and pray that God was giving you the best um, information as to what, you know, they wanted. Right. And realize that it's not the end of the world if it isn't exactly what they wanted. But yeah, right. the hardest one, I think the hardest part of the whole thing was the one friend who wanted me to go with them to pick out the casket. I was like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, I remember that. I went with my mom. All of all four of us did uh, to pick up my dad's casket. So I knew what that was like. But to pick it out for your spouse. Um, I'm so lucky my kids were there. Um, I couldn't have done it by myself. I couldn't have done any of it by myself. Um, I was, you know, very blessed to have them very close to me so they could do that. Um, and I had wonderful friends. Like I said, my husband's best friend was in town from El Paso and um, he was here that last day. And um, so that all, that all helped. But um, yeah, you, you're kind of numb and you don't know what to do. You don't, don't really want to sleep because you're going to dream and, you don't sleep well when you do sleep and you don't want to eat and you really don't want to get dressed and you just don't want to do anything. <laughs> and to have good friends to help you through that is, is a must. Um, I talked this morning on my podcast um, about the guilt I felt. Um, the last week with my husband, he was in hospice and he had a very, very rough time and he was sedated that last week, but right before they started sedating him, he, they think the cancer had moved to his brain. So it wasn't him. I knew that wasn't him talking and the way he was acting to me, but it terrified me the way he was acting. It scared me. Um, and I was the one that had to initially 
sedate him with some cream to get him calmed down so everyone, the nurses could do what they needed to do because they weren't here yet. I had to call them. And I just remember the look on my husband's face that looked like I betrayed him so bad. And that's what I've been struggling with. You know, I've prayed to let that go away. I'm getting better at it. But I don't think that look will ever go away. It, did any of your friends go through any type of of guilt of why not me or or anything that you know of? Actually, one of my friends, her husband had cancer. And because of the level of care that he needed and he was a step parent. So the interactions with the kids got really, really difficult. So the children were actually taken out of the home because it was basically the mom was given the choice of, you know, pick your husband or pick your kids and your husband's dying, yeah. <laughs> you know, um, and your, and your kids are going to be there tomorrow and you don't know if he's going to be. And so she, she actually struggled a lot. She had a lot of guilt feelings. Um, she even tried to kill herself one time, you know, after the kids were taken because here you are, you know, you, you know, you're having to choose between them and how can you? Right. And oh then she even had guilt feelings later because after he died, he died between Thanksgiving and Christmas and her girls were back with her for Christmas. But the, it was such a hard Christmas because the only reason the girls were with her for Christmas was because her husband died. And to have that on top of everything else was just such trauma for her. Oh my gosh. I, I can't imagine that. And all I could that do was just hug her and hold her and tell her I loved her. And, and that was it. You know, you can't, you can't do anything in those situations other than to be there for right. them as much as possible. And I know our uh, time may be getting short, but I just had a couple of more questions. Um, oh, I just lost my train of thought there. Um, if you had to choose something to relate to someone that's going through this right now, what would you say to that person that's helping a friend um, go through this or helping, you know, a child helping a parent go through this? The biggest thing is to be there, to listen to what they're saying, and in general, as much as possible, allow them to walk through the grief in the way that they need to. I have a friend that's going through it now, and she was the first three months, people around her all the time, all the time, all the time. I invited her here, and I could tell she needed to be alone. So mm -hmm. I took her to a place where she could be alone and she's been here for almost a month now. And she's been alone for most of, you know, a good two or three weeks of that. And it has been the most healing thing for her. And sometimes, you know, we wanna help, we wanna do something. And sometimes the biggest help is actually to just let them know that you're here, that you listening and that you believe in them. and you honor their way of dealing with the grief. Right. And everyone, I've, that's what I've learned. Everyone grieves so differently. Um, this 
podcast is one reason I started is because I tried the grief support groups, uh, the counseling, all of that. And I've told this before that every time the very next day after whatever I went to, I didn't want to get out of bed again because I was reliving it over and over and over. And it's like, okay, this, this cycle has to stop here because I can't continue to go through this every week. It was, it was making a disaster of me. (laughs) So, um, but there were people in that group that that's what they needed. Um, and they flourished in that group. But after about three or four weeks, I couldn't do it anymore. So this helps me um, as much as anything, just talking to people and letting people know that you're out there if you want to talk to them. But yes, just all you can do is, is hold them. I know people, I'm sure they said, you know, I don't remember because I was so numb that first year, but um, I know people would say, I don't know what to say, but um, the cards were very, very sweet. I love the cards. Um, Just a little email. I'm thinking about you. Um, Just little things like that, not trying to push me through it or tell me, well, this is, you've been going through this for six months now. This is what you should be doing. You can't do that. Um, People grieve in their own ways and their own time. And um, yeah, it's tough. So just be there for them. That's about all you can do. But well, Cindy Lou, I know it's evening here for me. It's morning for you. Yeah, it's about twenty minutes after twelve. Oh my goodness. Okay, lunch. Okay. So we're about six hours or so different, six, seven. Yeah. Okay. And a day. Yeah. <laughs> and a day. That's right. You're tomorrow for me. <laughs> I have to remember that. I never can remember that. So um, as we close out, I thank everyone for listening. If there's any comments, I will get back to those in a little bit. We can't really see them on here. Cindy Lou and I will both uh, post links. Um, I know we're both on iTunes or both on, I think, uh, I know I'm on Stitcher and yeah, I'm on Stitcher uh, now and uh, Google Play and there's several other ones. Um, so and Instagram, my Instagram and Facebook is Champagne Beauty by Cheryl. And one of these days I'll get into the story of how that all came about. Um, but I will let everyone go. This is again, this is Cheryl Stevens with the Back to Living There's Life After Loss podcast. And I am with. Cindy Lou from Be Bold Do, where we take life's twists and turns and help you make them into something beautiful. Cindy Lou, thank you so very much for coming on here. Um, I hope um, this reaches the right people that need it and they will know what to do to hold a hand, give a hug, just sit there and be with your friend or whoever it is um, and just know that, let them know they're loved. That's about all you can do. So, yeah. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Okay. Thank you very much, Cindy Lou. I will see everyone later. Bye. We're done.